All right. That you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions On top of all the trends Or have you ever worried You were too much in the mainstream Always so generic More normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test To put the rest your fears There's no need to panic If you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy After all that you've heard Cause if you like the show Then you're probably a nerd Oh, Ken, it's Ken, it's And welcome to Mando Monday. It's Monday. It's Mando Monday. The last Mando Monday of the year. And what an episode it is that we're going to be discussing as we talk all things Mandalorian. Season 2, Episode 8, Chapter 16. It's time, guys. It's so much fun. As always, I am your host. I'm Boris. And this week, I'm joined by Phil. Hello, everybody. How you doing out there? And Tyler. Hey, hey, hey. And like we do every week, we have a different guest to discuss, to partake in Mando Monday. And this week is no different, as we are joined by the entertainment editor at GameSpot, half of the Wrestle Buddies podcast, none other than Chris Hayner. Hello! Wow! What a, what a, what a thirty eight minutes of television we're gonna break down. <laughs> I know. That's why I love thirty eight minutes. It's gonna take us ninety minutes to do so. But you know, it's, it's why not? <laughs> love it. Uh, All yeah, right. It, it's, so, it, <sighs> it never ceases to to amaze me how we can deconstruct an episode that normally takes others ten minutes on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also eternally grateful this is not an hour-long television show because everything would take so much longer at midnight on a thursday night yes <laughs> Gosh. oh yeah oh yeah i can't i can't even imagine so chris before we get started how about you tell our listeners a little about yourself what you do at GameSpot, what wrestle buddies podcast is um and yeah floor is yours Okay, so yeah, I write at, over at Game GameSpot, the place that where people go to read about video games. I do the writing about uh, TV and movies and theme parks and other uh, nerdy. I believe it's uh, everything that gamers like is the 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 uh, the through line. But uh, yeah, uh, I've been writing about I've been an entertainment reporter for eight years now, and I just keep going. Uh, Wrestle Buddies is a podcast that myself and Entertainment news editor Matt Elfring launched earlier this year. Wow, this year has been very long. Um, yes. <laughs> where, unlike unlike most wrestling podcasts, we're the opposite of timely. We mostly talk about things that happened twenty years ago that we were enjoyed as children, uh, for better or worse. And I don't know if you guys have ever revisited old wrestling stuff. It's mostly worse. Yeah, yeah. But so man, we love it. I just recently launched a NXT podcast on another mm. network on Sunday Night's Main Event Radio, and um, every once in a while we 
have a, you know, from the vault. Uh, we've already had two. We're going into our third. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of fun because it's a lot of nostalgia hits. But mm -hmm. when you actually look at the wrestling, this, like, every, and, and everything else, like the presentation, it's so bad. It's so good. I mean, everyone wants to forget about the fact that, like, like during a WCW main event, Sting was broken out of a cage literally by RoboCop. Yep. Like, yep. that happened. Yep. And, like, and that, was pro, that was pro wrestling in the 90s at one point. Yep. Between so, that, like, it's... Yeah, between uh, that and Abdullah the Butcher getting electrocuted, you know, it's just, we have some gold. Oh, my God. Oh, it, that, like, honestly, seeing that on YouTube years after it happened put me down the rabbit hole of being like, wait, Abdullah the Butcher has a barbecue restaurant now? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> A few weeks ago, we actually revisited, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the uh, No Holds Barred, the movie, The Match. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. What yeah. a, oh, geez. What a, what a, what a fantastic era. Not, not to be confused, of course, with uh, Ready to Rumble, the movie, The Match. WCW's <laughs> weird triple-decker cage match. In which David which, Arquette was champion. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? This spawned the greatest, I guess, comeback in all of wrestling history with David Arquette. Um, his uh, everything he's True. done the past couple of years has been pretty much amazing. His the fact that he's wanted to do hardcore matches, the fact that he, you know, yeah, uh, he's put in the work. You know, he's won a lot of oh, people won, over. Yeah. Uh, Although he is retro he is retroactively paid his dues in really fun ways. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the work that he did with he's been doing and is doing with RJ City, it's just hilarious. And yeah, you yeah. know, if you don't respect David Arquette as a wrestler, then you know, you just have no idea what's going on. And if you can watch his documentary, it's so good. It is so much fun. He just loves it so much. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, like that is someone who his his love is just so pure. It, yeah. you're like it makes you smile. You're like, wow, he really just loves wrestling this much. Even when his daughter is looking at him, telling him, "You look like an idiot, Dad." Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? But that's something that a lot of the the modern era you don't see of that passion, right? Like these people, it's you know, Darby Allen isn't all incorrect when he says that a lot of these people don't care about the sport. So go figure. Yeah, it's what a weird time for the industry. Sorry, this has nothing to do with man. Sorry, guys, this has nothing to do with Mandalorian. Uh, Baby Yoda has yet to appear in a WWE ring, but like I, I can see him. He's just gonna do a, a choke slam to Triple H. <laughs> well, we did. Have I would. Sasha I Banks. would pay for that. We did have. Cool. Sasha oh, that's Banks. oh, good call. Good call. So that's my segue. Sasha Banks is the segue, um, and I still don't fully yes. understand why. WWE refuses to acknowledge the fact that Sasha Banks is on, you know, the biggest show on TV right now. But I mean, that's... I I have an idea why they I had nothing too. to do with her getting cast. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. between that and the fact that I'm no, I, you know, Vince is afraid of creating superstars nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it is what it is. All right, so we're gonna, you know, we can geek out about wrestling. We're going to geek out about Star Wars instead. So, Phil, take it over before I continue talking wrestling. 
Sorry to interrupt your uh, wrestling podcast here. <laughs> We're going to wow. come and wait, hear it. Wait, and a, bring wait us... a pile drive the discussion, Phil. That's uh, a wrestling <laughs> Uh, we're going to go all fists into Mandalorian here. So yes. we have our final episode, as Boris mentioned, season two, episode eight, chapter 16, called The Rescue, directed by Peyton Reed. And just so people are aware, we are going to be spoiling the crap out of this episode. Mm. So if you have not seen it, I suggest you hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and figure and and, and learn about all the little things that we picked up through our many watch-throughs and discussion points here. So Bill, before you start, I do want to interject. Yes. And the whole idea of Mando Monday is so that this is when people can really start, uh, you know, talking about the episode, giving spoilers and whatnot. But I think someone pretty major spoiled quite a bit already, and that's Mark Hamill when he went on Twitter basically saying, oh, we've hid this secret for the past year, and I can't believe it's it was still <laughs> a secret. Yeah, I saw that tweet, and I'm like, this is why they didn't tell Mark Hamill they're doing this. <laughs> because that would have been, like, the day that they they actually told him, hey, we're going to get your CGI likeness de-aged into the film, a la Carrie Fisher, Fisher of Rogue Okay, Line. see, I have so many questions about how this was actually done for the show. I maintain... I don't. I don't know if we're getting into it here. If you want to wait till we get to that portion of the episode, I well, it. it I. I think we've all seen it, and we're gonna break it down bit by bit. I do have some info about how it was done. Oh, so. okay. Because like I, I was convinced that he did mocap for the face, and then they just uh, aged it down too far into some weird, uncanny valley place. No, they actually used exactly the same method as Rogue One. Okay. They cast a guy. I don't have his name here, but oh, his name is Max Lloyd Jones. Yes. So That's they stuck in my brain. A whole bunch of dots on his face. Mm -hmm. And they actually superimposed Mark Hamill from <sighs> previous footage where they analyzed Return of the Jedi. And that's why his mouth is so horribly wrong. The same as Carrie Fisher's in Rogue One. So they actually, because Mark is really horrible at keeping a secret. Yeah. This is like, God love him. I know there's a lot of fans of Luke Skywalker out there and of Mark specifically. I'm not a huge Luke fan, but I am a fan of Mark Hamill. Uh, and, same, same boat. Yeah. And this is basically why they couldn't tell him because it would have been leaked. He would have gotten drunkenly on Twitter one night and probably spilled the beans. That's that's my assumption. So I don't think he had any clue, or if he did, he signed a, a document and forgot about it. They they gave him something to wipe his memory. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just so, imagining what the tweet would have been like. How dare you uh, take that, Ryan Johnson? Yeah, you can't kill. Right. You can't kill Luke. <laughs> exactly. That would have oh. been it. That's exactly right. He would have <sighs> been trolling Ryan. Like, oh, you think he's gone? Do you? <laughs> That well, assess me for how correct it is. Yeah, it's, it's it's like we don't even have to laugh at it because it's just we know it's true. <laughs> so anyhow, we have our opening scene, which what an opening scene this was with Slave One basically in pursuit of a Lambda class T4 shuttle, the kind that we see all over Return of the Jedi, the one that Han Solo has to fly into the, you know, the forest moon of Endor. And yeah, basically, uh, 
Boba Fett uses an ion cannon a la Empire Strikes Back. That's what they use to disable the Star Destroyers. It, it Essentially, for anyone who's played the video game or anything, the video games or anything like that, you use the ion cannon to disable a ship and keep it intact. So we get them using that. We see Dr. Pershing and whatnot is on the ship. So immediately we get the tension set up where it's kind of similar to A New Hope in that they're waiting to be boarded. So we're seeing it from the opposite side. We're seeing it from the Empire side of things as the good guys come. And that was even echoed with the way Boba Fett kind of flew over the canopy of the ship to make it really big, almost like the Star Destroyer opening scene in A New Hope, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really a, uh, an intimidation tactic, I figure is the the goal of it but it echoed it a lot and we see that an awful lot in this show where dave and john want to pay homage to the previous films in any way that they can and we basically get into a whole standoff inside where mando din shows up basically says we want dr pershing and essentially the um the pilots hold him hostage the one pilot shoots the other when he tries to negotiate out of there. Cara Dune shows up, and then this guy starts crap talking about Alderaan and defending the Death Stars being blown up. Millions of, of Empire people, you know, turning the blind eye to the tyranny and whatnot that the Empire is, but pursuing that thread that Lucasfilm seemed to be really heavily going on in that the Empire is order and you can have belief in that. So she gets pissed. He he figures out she's an Alderanian because of the tear on her um the tattoo. And she just shoots him. And they take Dr. Pershing, and he's a kind of a willing hostage at this point. So what what do we think of the opening, guys? Chris, how did you find uh, it? Was I liked it. Like, I, honestly, like, I, I, I feel like we all knew exactly what the broad strokes of what this episode is going to be. It's like, Mando got to get Baby Yoda back. I'm never going to call him Grogu. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the quick exchange of, like, I was on the Death Star. And Carrigan's like, which one? Like, yeah. that, that, is such a, that is such a perfect nod to literally everything Star Wars has done. Like, it, there's so... Like, what I love so much about this show is there's so much history, like this world's history to play with. And even just little throwaway lines like that, they really, they just, they get me. Yeah. And this episode had quite a few of them. Hmm. Boris? Yeah, no, I think it was really well. you have really any well... takeaways? No, yeah. It, it was really well done. Um, again, you know, it was kind of, you kind of knew right from the get-go what type of episode this was going to be um but it is always good to see like how far they're willing to go to save baby yoda how far everyone is willing to go to kind of you know win the day um so yeah it it it, it adds to a lot of the themes that we've been talking about over the entire season and that's you know how far would you go yeah for klondike bar yeah. <laughs> ah, pretty <dude>. far. Pretty far. <laughs> Tyler, you have any takeaways from that opening? I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be button heads with Chris a little bit, I think, but I thought this episode was all, all overall pretty good. Oh no, no, I no. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I really like this episode. Oh, there fair. are, there is one thing, and it's not, it's not the, it's not the Luke thing that I 
absolutely hated, but we'll get we'll get to it. But overall, I I think this is one. This is I think the season as a whole is better yeah. than season one. Oh yeah, and I like I I was I was on this ride the entire time. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll have some mild disagreements over. Yes, I'm sure we will. Which which little bits were like overall good, but here's I thought this should have been a little bit. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I was, I like look the emotions of this episode are its own thing. Mm. All right, like that that was an experience. My takeaway is I found this finale a little bit disappointing in some aspects. Not nah, burn the heretic. What's that? I said, burn the heretic. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like it, this, this just wasn't my favorite episode of the season. I don't think mm. it, 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 mm. it, it doesn't go on the bad scale for me. But there were choices made in this that I'm not necessarily hugely jumping for joy about. But I do understand the larger narrative and probably the reasons why they had to make them. Yeah. But you know that that's you know it, it, it's 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 a long play. Right. And that's basically where I'm at with it is having the maturity now and the trust. I think Dave and John have earned our trust as fans. Um, so recently after the, the sequel series disappointed and probably hurt that trust the most and violating everything by not really doing their due diligence for planning. Yeah, right? JJ. Like, yeah, exactly. It's the whole mess with Ryan. And I blame Kathleen Kennedy for that. But to her credit, I have to give her credit for getting this done. I have to give her credit for Rogue One. I have to give her credit for Solo. There are things that did happen that maybe got missed or maybe are underappreciated by large portions of the fan base because of the the joke that the sequel trilogy became, right? So... Well, I I mean that's like that's the weird thing is the biggest problem with Star Wars is the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. It's it's so buried in so much very specific lore yep. and people have such strong emotional ties to it. Nothing is going to be good enough. Uh I I'm in the camp that really loved the last Jedi except for that terrible casino scene. Or not <laughs> yeah, the last Jedi except for that terrible casino scene. I found another one. <laughs> I, I, I love that film. I love the things it sets up. I, I like yeah. the idea that Ray is a nobody. That's oh. what makes her special. That she can come from nothing and become one of the most powerful only Jedi left, period. Instead of like, no, you're like Snoke's granddaughter. Shut up. Stop it. That's, well, or, yeah. No, you're Palpatine's granddaughter. It's terrible. Like, well, and Snoke I, is, yeah. And Snoke is nothing. Like I love that clone, um, but the the but nothing was ever going to be. It's it's the same thing that happened with the prequels. Honestly, the prequels came out and people compared them to the emotions they had tied to that original trilogy. Yeah, and yep. it's it's never going to live up to the hype that you build in your own mind. Uh, that's why I think stuff like Rogue One, uh, big chunks of Solo. Uh, I think so, Solo is Solo's still maybe the weirdest movie. Mm-hmm. Of the franchise, just in how it all happened, uh, yeah. and then like the animated shit, like Rebels and Clone Wars are for my money the best Star Wars. Yep, um, yep. And they're divorced from having to be mired in like, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker's had a real rough go of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's 
partially yeah. why I I was so happy for the longest time that they were moving away from the Skywalkers, which is even why, like, I will I do question the fact that it was Luke later on in this episode came because you know as Disney is trying to move away from the Skywalkers, it's like, hey, here's a reminder: you can't have Star Wars without the Skywalkers. Boom shoehorned and they had so many options you know from ezra to cal to oh my so god many, so many options if, so as, I, if a live action ezra would have popped up in this episode i would have started crying yeah. just so bawling i actually have a theory on all this that i i briefly talked to phil about breaking one of our rules um yeah and, and including why i think it was luke and not ezra um, I think we should get to that towards the end because I think that fits yeah. better. Yeah, we'll, we'll... the theory. Oh yeah, we're still in the. Oh, we're still in like yeah, the cold open, open, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a theory on why they did that and how they could justify it. I'm not saying they're gonna like. Oh, like I'm always a hopeful. Like maybe they won't hurt me this time. Yeah, the... I know this is this is going to be the most contentious. This is how I know that Tyler doesn't watch wrestling anymore because. When it comes to narrative and what they should do is never what they actually do. So. Oh sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Look. Look. Manda's gonna hit someone with a steel folding chair. Just you exactly. wait. <laughs> a Beskar folding there was chair. A Come on. There was a DDT in this episode. That's true. It's true. Um. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep it marching forward here. It is an action heavy episode, so there's not gonna be that much narration by myself here, but. We then see Slave One basically flying past a whole bunch of of smokestacks that have the Imperial symbol on it. If you look really, really closely, mm-hmm. um, he lands in basically the spaceship parking lot uh, right next to Bo-Katan's ship, the Gauntlet, which we see an awful lot of in Clone Wars and in Rebels too, I believe. So uh, he goes into the bar. Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves are there, which is Sasha Banks, which we've been talking about, and her and some of her special moves coming up in said fight and they take issue with with boba fett being there they recognize the voice it's a clone voice so he mm-hmm. he's no mandalorian and yeah the little little bit of a fight ensues and then finally basically din is like hey look the kid's missing can we cut this shit out and then it moves fast right like then then that seems to be the one thing that's consistent in this story all Din has to do is bring up the kid, and we've got everybody's buy-in immediately. Well, so, to yeah. her credit, Bo-Katan says, "I'll help you if X." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that sets up. I think that that's an important thing to bring up because that sets up, I believe, the linkage to the other shows, and probably yeah. the narrative for the Mandalorian going forward. Mm-hmm. Because without Grogu in the mix, Din needs something to be tied to in order yeah. to drive his right. efforts. Him to have a plot. Yes, for him to have relevance he, to a plot. He, he is a very reactive character, which is not a flaw, and you can do a lot of good plots with that. With that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the reason that people like Keith, who we had on previously, talks about how like each episode is, Keith shows up, asks a question, and someone's like, I'll answer that question if you do X. <laughs> which again, is, is very Wolf and Cub. Like, they're very reactive characters. He's like, this fucking universe... Everyone needs their laundry delivered. <laughs> Basically, yes. And well, like, it works, right? But if, if we're oh, yeah, going to take away Grogu, about. yeah, if we're going to take away Grogu, then he needs something else to, yeah. to 
to do that. And that's what we set up. And conveniently, it happens that Moff Gideon has Grogu. And that serves the narrative of Bo-Katan, who is death. Like, she wants that Darksaber. And the deal mm. is, I don't care if you, if uh, I want to be the guy, the person that takes out basically Moff Gideon. Because she needs, she needs that Darksaber and she knows what that sets up for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get back onto Slave One and they're talking about it with Dr. Pershing. And Dr. Pershing is quite forward. This is where the Dark Troopers are. This is where Grogu is. This is what you're going to need to achieve. And it's because he wants to see Grogu live. We've mm-hmm. established that as part of his character matrix in the first season. And it seems like that makes him the most willing hostage in this situation. They grab his little data stick pen thing and away they go. We've got this plan where they're going to crash into the launch tube with the Imperial shuttle and limit the amount of TIE fighters. It was actually a pretty good plan, I got to say. So Boba Fett just trails the ship, trails the Lambda class, and is shooting at it, making it look real like they're in trouble. They radio in and they crash that tube after only two TIE fighters get out, which I couldn't help but think of. Battlestar Galactica and Katie Sackhoff landing those wipers <laughs> into, into the nacelles of Battlestar Galactica. And I'm like, this is such a, a, a weird um, nostalgia piece that Star Wars and Battlestar all in one for me. Mm-hmm. So we get them inside. And yeah, before we get to the action, what did you all think, Tyler? You're up. Oh, look, the fact that finally people have plans that do or don't go wrong is a wonderful addition to Star Wars. <laughs> the number of times that like there's no real planning and we talked about how like, oh my God, someone has military tactics. Someone is like, what <laughs> if we flank them? And they're like, oh my God, genius. Yeah, that, that is very true. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they had a plan. I'm just like, I'm agreeing. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah. So if we block the launch tube, they can't launch. Yes. Yeah. Well, they 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 took advantage of the probably one of the biggest weak points in the Imperial design of that particular light cruiser. Yeah. Right. Which we hadn't really seen up until now, only in the cartoons, only in Rebels and 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 uh, Clone Wars. Chris, what do you think of all that? Um, but yes to everything uh, Tyler said, but I also want to add, I don't know about you guys, hearing the scream of a TIE fighter oh. always makes me so giddy. Yeah. And like, I, 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 that sound and that shape, everything about it is so perfect and so incredibly Star Wars that like, regardless of what's going on, the moment they're going up that ship and you see those two TIE, tie, those two TIE fighters come out and you hear them, it like, it like, I feel like I'm sitting in a movie theater watching a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, as far as setting tone of what's to come, that that was a huge, huge uh, help for me. Uh, but, like, yeah, no, it's great. It's great that they're not just kind of flying by. Like, like last week's episode when Mando and Bill Burr uh, went into the Imperial base and just kind of made it up as they went along. And then it ended up in everybody having to die. Like it's 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 nice it's nice that like okay these are some people who know how to get things done and they're gonna figure it out before they just run in guns blazing yeah yeah but they knew there was a terminal in the kitchen 
<laughs> oh gosh <laughs> sorry where I'm else would they well, i don't look i where do you keep your terminals mine are all in the kitchen obviously yeah i know imp- standard imperial procedure is put it in the kitchen <laughs> yeah you get you get it you get a diet coke and then you hit the terminal yeah it's what we do we have to take our helmet off to drink the diet coke so it can scan At- your face right <laughs> yeah a face scanner in the kitchen is so weird. <laughs> but it's the most Star Wars God. thing ever. It's like, what I love about this show is that they give you all the Star Wars tropes, no matter how dumb they are, in a sense that mm-hmm. they're almost making fun of themselves. You know, they're not taking themselves that serious anymore. Yeah, it it, it is part of the stick that... that john and dave have determined is acceptable is going back to that star wars humor that can make fun of itself in those indirect ways and i i do appreciate that out of the production team and and what they've what they've decided is something that they're allowed to play with now and and different fan bases react differently to it which is hilarious right exactly we can be all salty and crusty and tear it apart but one thing i love about um about Star Wars in general is convenience, and convenience takes over. It's like, (laughs) you know, in in this episode, it was very convenient that Bubba Fett just so happened to be away the entire time that Luke showed up. Yeah, true enough. Because you know that I didn't even I I I legitimately did not think about that until right now. Like, oh yeah, he wasn't there, was he? Yeah, he took off. he takes off like a bat out of hell after taking out those two TIE fighters, and he's just like, I'm done. Yeah. See you guys. I hope you get the kid. <laughs> I don't know how that conversation happens, but, you know, uh, well, obviously we see it on the on the flip side of the episode where it goes. But so, yeah, so we, we basically see Din going to get the Dark Troopers and free Grogu while they're doing a pincer movement with taking the ship with the rest of them, Fennec, Kara, and Bo-Katan, and Sasha Banks, and everybody, the, the Mandalorian crew there. And we see them use your, your great wrestling move in their initial deployment. Where Oh, wait, that's right. Fennec was with them, wasn't she? Yeah. Yes. She's just a background sharpshooting, <laughs> but she is there. So, yeah, she is there. She's kind of in the background doing the sniper stuff. So what we've got is we got Din going out on his own to because Dr. Pershing had let our our heroes know that there's a two-minute power-up cycle for the Dark Troopers. So we've got a window where he's got to navigate, but they do have the schematic. He's got to navigate to the area. They ask, is it possible to get there in time? And sure enough, you know, Din's basically doing his casual walk through the ship without much urgency. And he walks by uh, a little bit of a nostalgia hit for me, the original Kenner Death Star droid. So it, it's actually an RA7 droid I found out last night. Thank you, Internet. And basically, he gets down to where the Dark Troopers are, and these things are pretty much about to walk out the door. He closes the, the doors, and we get basically one of them gets his fingers in there and pulls the doors apart. Very similar to Terminator 2 Judgment Day when the T-1000 kind of pops the door. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a cool reference to that. And they get out, and man, this is quite the fight. I was impressed with how hammer and tongs this thing got, where Din Jarden is getting his head just pounded into the bulkhead. And that, oh 
that Beskar armor does not let up. Like, yeah. I was convinced the first time I'm watching it, like, I, is, is the helmet dented now? Like, is there going to be a new Black Series helmet that's announced with the fist <laughs> kind of dent in there? Like, what kind of marketing is Disney going to do for this? And basically, Mando defeats this thing with the Beskar spear. Uh, he gives it a good whack to the neck. And uh, after spending, like, all of his ammo and all of his... <laughs> to try and, you know, take this thing down, and it just doesn't have a weakness other than the obvious weakness of the exposed kind of parts, I guess. But you need something strong enough to penetrate yeah. it. Chris, what'd you think of that being a wrestling guy? I'm sure. Oh like... man. <clears throat> First of all, like those, 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 those dark troopers are essentially rock'em sock'em robots or like the movie real steel. Like they pack a punch when you realize like, Oh, their primary, their primary, like non weapon, non weapon fighting is just punching as hard as possible. And you just see Manda's head sink into the wall of that ship without the without the helmet giving way whatsoever like i what i appreciate a lot about uh, and it's happened a number of times is how the show has gone out of the way to point out that beskar steel is (laughs) impossible to break uh Mm -hmm. there's there's even there's even more of that in this episode that's so much fun to see like I, i i really love how they've essentially played up mandalorian armor to be one of the strongest things in the galaxy yeah and yeah. that is on full display here. Well, agreed, combined with, it doesn't make you impervious, because this thing's just strong enough that it's like, yeah, he's not <laughs> smashing his face, but he's, yeah. like, in the wall, like, all right, what am I going to do now? Oh, you, yeah. yeah, he's he's going to have he's gonna have a sore face tomorrow, for sure. Oh, God. If, if, he got if, a concussion. He gets, wall, uh, he gets a season off, because he's just got a concussion in there. He's like, <laughs> ma, ma, ma. I, like, any time Pedro Pascal takes off his helmet... Especially for the pat, like this episode and the, the other one, he just looks so confused. I, I just, I just find that he's got this. I'm kind of concussed. Look all the time about him. I don't know if that's his acting style or what. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe he's confused like I am because in season one they made it seem like to, like revealing his helmet to another, revealing his face to another living being was like the worst possible thing he could do, and he spent the last two episodes of this season just showing his face to everybody. <laughs> Well, he wrote it into the contract. Come on. <laughs> I'm not going to be like Master Chief on that Halo show they're making. I'm going to be everywhere. Yeah, you're not going to be able to just use my voice. I want you to use me. <laughs> I, I, I know that there was rumors on set about him being upset about always being in the helmet, especially at the beginning of the year. Mm. And yeah, I think this was a little bit of a compromise point. And we establish as well with Bo-Katan and, and her kind of end of the Mandalorian uh, uh, religion, so to speak, would be they're allowed to take their helmets off whenever the yeah. hell they want, right? So I think it, it, it really signifies to me that, that Din Jarden is finally kind of understanding it's not the end of the world. He's not going to be any less of a Mandalorian, especially now that he's out of that kind of group those people who would hold them accountable, I guess, and Mm. say, you can't take off your helmet. And that's a big no, no. Uh, I think being detached from that, if he was still in Navarro and still those guys were all underground hiding out and they need to adopt that lifestyle because they're trying to hide their numbers. They don't want to be too 
prevalent, right? They're trying to preserve their race, so mm. to speak. So I, I, you know, that's a deep, sweaty nerd cut, but <laughs> that's that's kind of where that's my job. So that's what I got to do. Boris, did you have any any feelings about it? I know you're sitting there doing your audio thing right now and watching all of our lovely voices record. No, I am literally adding a filter to a selfie of mine. That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, oh my gosh. Ooh. That's priority. That is priority. <laughs> Listen, no, here's the thing. Convenience. Gotta look good. I love convenience. Convenience was the key here. Um, and this leads me to, and I'm just going to say it right now because this is... Might as well get this off my chest. Um, and that's the usage of the Dark Troopers. I thought that, you know, they're built up in the Star Wars universe as this, like, amazing, horrible, big, evil type thing. Even this season, they were built up to be, like, you know, this big, evil type thing, like, you know, Ed 209 type thing. And they were pretty much, like, just wasted. Um, you know, yeah, Din Djarin struggled destroying the One. Um, but you know, and then, then they kind of had a quick cop out by getting rid of the other ones. And then we all know what happens at the very end. So I think, you know, part of me wants to say, okay, they are the big evil and that's just how strong Luke is. But the other part of me is like, it was such a cop out because they kind of wasted this awesome thing in the Star Wars universe. So that was my only thing as watching this. But overall, like it was yeah, it was it was what it was. Um it's good seeing um Din Jardin struggle. Uh you know, he's kind of had it pretty easy for the most part. Um but yeah, it was also kind of like, you know, right before in a video game, right before you go to the big boss, you kind of uh, deplete yourself of all your weapons and I love the fact that Moth Gideon calls that out as well uh, yeah. but yeah mm -hmm. you know it was it was what it yeah, was I, I, I think it was effective having the dark troopers used in that way and we find out they're third generation so that stops a huge internet nerd argument over on that side yeah <clears throat> but I do I do think that it served its purpose in the sense that it set up real fear for the end because we knew a lot was on the line like if Din had that much trouble taking one out what mm -hmm. are they going to do against 39 others yeah, right? yeah. Like, or what you know whatever platoon size is defined as for dark troopers yeah and i also think that it canonizes something that wasn't canon before necessarily now so now we have this as a real option just like the e-web canon was used yeah. last season mm -hmm. and reinforced into this season it's something that you can grandfather not only into other episodes of the mandalorian but into the universe in general. Yeah. So it, it becomes a storytelling option. So I don't think that there was any waste. I was disappointed, though, in basically how Din just flew them all out the airlock, alien-esque yeah. style, right? Like, So that that is, that is sort of where I run into and the only issue I had with this. It's when it's one-on-one, -on -one, I think the Dark Troopers look really cool. <clears throat> when you see many of them together, it looks not great like it's so obviously cgi yeah that, like i started i started to feel pulled out like oh now it looks like he's facing off against a cartoon yeah um and like which is just when when everything in frame is generated on a computer like that's that's sort of the issue you run into but like i i thought specifically the moment when he's battling that one and getting his head pounded into all i thought that looked very very cool but then when you mm -hmm. see the group of them together it just it it doesn't look right. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely off. Um, I do find with that kind of stuff because I, I the way that this this episode worked out, I had Friday off of work. So I was like, all right, this is I've got a whole bunch of stuff happening later in the day. But in the morning, I'm waking up and I'm watching Mandalorian and I watched it on my 55 inch 4K TV and I had the sound dialed so loud, like the floorboard <laughs> was rattling because of I have three subs just pounding. All right. So. Oh, so you got to hear that. Up. You got to, you got to really listen to that that super sick hardcore techno beat. I love that. Yeah. Well, I I, I, I got hated the, it. I loved it. I, I had the um, yeah the Skrillex. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> like the sound. Whatever. Star Wars the remix, man. Holy cow! <laughs> but yeah. they're droids. I, they're robots. <laughs> I I find that it it's it again sets the mood right. Like this is panic. This is Star Wars on crack. But it, it's it's just this whole thing's coming at me, and then I could spot all the fake stuff you're talking about. I could yeah. see Chris. This looks really weird, and I could see the CGI on Luke, and I go, I don't know, like this is sitting really weird with me. The same same way that when I was in the movie theater for Rogue One, and I'm like, something weird about Leia. For me, Moff Moff Tarkin was great, but Leia was uncanny valley for me. She was so, very, she was very dramatically overlit, which I think yes. caused a, a lot of yeah. problems in Rogue One. And the yeah. mouth and the, the eyes and it just everything was just slightly off. But the minute I put it on my 27 inch 4K monitor, then things normalize a lot for me. Mm. Then I can get past some of the fakeness because it's compacted enough that it doesn't influence me as much. It doesn't register as as you know as fake as it normally does so i find that that's a trick when i start to see that on certain things i i know that i can dial it down just as a trick for anybody out there watch it in a different format or even you know pull it up on your cell phone or whatever and watch it and it might look a little bit different for you it might don't tell chris nolan that accessible oh no oh don't get me started about christopher nolan you guys Tenet is Tenet is hot, hot, hot garbage. Oh my god, what a weird movie! It's yeah. like oh. I'm, I'm like, I'm more offended that Christopher Nolan thought this movie was worth dying for than I am for COVID <laughs> itself. And I've had COVID. <laughs> oh like watching Tenet hurt. Watching Tenet was almost as bad as me having COVID. <laughs> like God. Oh. Gosh, what's that movie about i'm sorry i'm that, sorry I, yeah i know this was not on the mandalorian <laughs> but what is that movie about let's 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 put on the calendar a special because i also have thoughts <laughs> and i can tell you what it's about and i cannot say it's any better than your no, take no no it's just it's terrible it's a waste of everything christopher nolan is so overrated oh look he he came up with an idea he got a big old blunt and he was like, oh, my God. But, but no, literally, my how I think this movie happened was he was like, what if there's yep. a fight scene where one guy's fighting forwards and one guy's fighting backwards? That'll look amazing. And then he's like, what do I do with the other two hours? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. And he was like, all right, I got three more fight scenes like that. And they're like, that's just four. That's just four fight scenes. No, nah, but we'll have Robert Pattinson like just say things, I guess. And like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. It doesn't well, matter. 
We'll have Robert Pattinson have the weirdest character who is like a spy <laughs> and a PhD in physics and a fixer. He is the everything to everything. It's yeah. so. Oh. I think we're going to get Michael Bay to do the cinematography. <laughs> well, no, but it's clever because you see Tenet is spelled the same way backwards and backwards forwards. And, forwards. <laughs> and then you have his fucking genius. He's fucking, he made the cryptogram for it, and he's like, look, <laughs> it's all the important things! And you're like, yeah, you did it, Chris. This, you officially reached Dan Brown gosh. levels of creativity. <laughs> We're this gonna was the movie. Spoilers. <laughs> God damn it. This was the movie worth going to a movie theater during a global pandemic. Come I on. I you to die for this. Christopher I, had, I had to watch Bill and Ted face the music at home and you wanted me to go see tenant on the big screen how yeah. dare you <laughs> bill and ted was okay it was a great I, it was like i i enjoyed the heck out of that movie yeah. it was the exact pure it was the exact joy i needed this year yeah that, that movie was 2020 like hey guys it's gonna be okay it's Maybe. gonna be okay we're gonna get through this this episode is 2020 right now <laughs> yeah you're not wrong is all over the map. I love it. Anyway, sorry for yelling. Sorry for yelling about Tenet. We can talk about Star Wars again. We're just gonna have to put on a Tenet spoiler warning on our Mandalorian. <sighs> so, um, where were we? Well, yeah. Well, Din is going. I don't worry. I have notes. Din Phil's is gone. going to go uh, find Grogu, and when he opens the door, sure enough. Um, Moff Gideon is basically just holding the sword over with a dejected little handcuffed Grogu <laughs> or child sitting there. Oh man! And it was it was a sad little image for me. I was like, oh, depressed baby Yoda is more than I can handle. Yeah, like yeah, it's so sad. He's he didn't even cheer up. He's just like, oh, we're fucked. Like <laughs> it was just. You know, he didn't even react to, to Din being there, which I thought was an interesting choice. But basically, you know, the, the showdown happens. And Moff Gideon thinks that he's kind of after the Darksaber as well. And Din just calls it out right off. And he says, I'm, I don't care about that thing. And I'm here for the kid. And then you can see Moff Gideon starting to think. And he's just like, okay, well... Basically, assume that I know everything is what he opens with with Din in this discussion because he knows that he spent all of his arm his ammo. He knows that that Bo Katan and them are probably up on the bridge wondering where the hell he is. He knows that they probably killed everybody, so they're not going to get any more information than basically what they have at that at that point. And he's just like, well, now if he doesn't care about the dark saber, this could work for me. You know, the, the guy's pretty smart and he knows that that that's probably going to be a, a motivator for me as to why he so easily loses the battle to Din, because he knows that it's going to be able to to guarantee his life in some way, because now it sets up that basically the man like Din Jarden is going to have to fight Bo-Katan or she's going to fight him in order to get the Darksaber. But this all isn't apparently abundantly clear because in Rebels, uh, Sabine gives Bo-Katan the blade. Yes. So yeah. this doesn't really consistently follow. And I, I'm, I am legitimately confused because Dave Filoni did Rebels. Like, this isn't like 
Ryan Johnson did Rebels, and Dave's now doing his own thing. This is something that that kind of Dave Filoni canonized. However, the only thing that I can think of reaching into my bag of Star Wars bullshit is that Bo-Katan has to win it back in a duel because she probably lost it in a duel. Mm. So I think that sets up, like, it's a matter of principle. She she probably got a lot of backlash from people about getting it from Sabine anyway, so she doesn't want to redo that route. She knows the history and the lore, and she knows that for it to have meaning, it's going to have to be one in a fight. That's the I mean, only thing I can get out of that. Maybe she shouldn't have it if she's just going to lose it again. Well, I, I think it sets up either there's going to be that fight, and I don't know that Bo-Katan wins that fight. Like, mm. does, Din, does it set up Din to be the reluctant leader? So this is where we start to get where I think they're going. Um, and that is that we could, and, and I think that they're going to catch that problem and have to backfill. And one of the pro- possibilities is, is Bo-Katan probably needs to get the Mandalorian extremists on her side to stand a chance. Right. And she knows, like, it's not, it, it, Mandalorians are in a worse state than they are when she just takes it from Sabine. And it might be that she's, like, doubling down, like, no, I need to, f- I need to dot all the I's and cross all the T's to get as many people on side as possible. Versus yeah. in the before times, the Mandalorians, she was like, I got, I got enough of a coalition being kind of wishy-washy with the rules. Um... I also think that, especially with her getting shot the shit out of right there, that we are building up to Din being the reluctant Mandalore um, and yeah. using him to unify the different sects. Mm. I don't know it's if I want that. I'm not saying I, I want just, it. I'm saying it's like building towards. I just want to follow Mando and Baby Yoda around the galaxy. What planet are we going to this week, kid? Like, like, that's the version of the show I could legit watch for a decade. And I should, I understand that, that like in the world of peak TV, that is not necessarily what people are looking for. But for me, this is like the Mandalorian is essentially like space Rockford files, uh, which is just like. There are stakes, but it's just kind of every week it's a new it's a new adventure or like the young Indiana Jones Chronicles or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's that's what I love about the show, because like. The first uh, on my first watch of season one, as I was covering it, I did not like the show. It didn't click because I thought it was failing at being this thing. But then towards the end of the season, I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. It's actually succeeding at being this entirely other thing. We're just not used to it as viewers anymore. Like, yeah. Uh, in a world where we have Breaking Bad and we have like The Walking Dead has been telling a 95 billion year story that just won't end, uh, no matter how much I want it to. Uh, we're not used to stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer anymore, yeah. where there's an overarching theme, but it's all week to week to week. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That, and once I realized, like, oh, that's what they're doing. I love the show. I and I feel I, I so that's what I want. I don't. I hope it doesn't veer into more of that sort of high concept television where like, no, now it's this, the, uh, this ongoing story about a man trying to unite his planet and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's too high stakes. I think it is, but 
the only the only asterisk I'd throw on that is the vision right now that Lucasfilm are applying to other shows, right? We know that there's going to be Rangers of the New Republic mm-hmm. taking place at the same time as this. We know that there's going to be Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and that's going to be going after Thrawn, we assume. And maybe Ezra gets introduced into that. We We should see some kind of closure or some advancement on what's going on on that end of things, given the state the Rebels ended in. So I think that there's a lot at play here where there's going to be things combining to make like a meta event that's happening across all of these shows mm-hmm. that will give it some significance, like an end game, you know, quite yeah, literally they're building an end game for TV, which is the most 2020 thing that you can do. Right. Because it's like, well, movie theaters are screwed. <clears throat> this occupies way too much time to build the 23 movie arc for our audience and they want something in the next four to five years and they want to do it from their couch so what's disney yeah. got to do they've got to piece this all together and they've got the people there to do it they've got the feige's they've got john they've got dave and they're like okay here's the keys and you know here's what we can here's what you can work with because isn't feige's producing a star wars movie isn't he wasn't that announced at some point yes he is he's he's highly involved as far as the mapping of Star Wars and apparently like the 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 speak out there it's not really rumors it it, it is bona fide and verified stuff that people have observed if you thought Feige was a huge nerd for Marvel Feige's <laughs> an even bigger nerd for Star Wars like yeah. the shit that that guy has up there is, is on par with Paulo Hidalgo it's just like wow okay so he he this is what he grew up on yeah Look, here's the thing. We all know that TV crossover events can work. CW and the Arrowverse mm-hmm. did really. They, look, they made me care about the Flash. You know, they made me now care you're about speaking Arrow. my language. <laughs> you know, they made me care about the shows I would never watch um, because it's CW, uh, and I just can't mm-hmm. stand the CW isms. Um, but you know, they're taking for that real, real talk. If you guys aren't watching Legends of Tomorrow, the oh. weirdest DC comic series of all time. Save for maybe Doom Patrol on whichever service they're putting it on now. Uh, Like, the CW managed to use their crossovers to make, like, Captain Cold and Heat Wave and, like, The Atom and all these characters nobody cares about into one of, like, the most compelling shows. It's so bizarre they did it. Yeah, it's, but, yeah, and they were able to do it really well. So, you know, you take these properties on an actual TV budget and it worked. You know, the sky's the limit for what they're going to do at Lucasfilm. Yeah, and Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm isn't working with a normal TV budget either. Exactly. They're That's throwing right. so much money out of this to build John Favreau bigger and bigger digital screens to put behind people. Yeah. 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 And like we, we, we found out they're building three more and they're <laughs> even bigger than the one that they're, they've already built, which they already expanded for season two. Yeah. So turning into the Lazarus it's, pits. It's, <laughs> well, God. it's good for movie making, you know, because because eventually they're going to be like, okay, half the year we're we're shooting our stuff in it, but the other half of the year they're going to be like, we can rent this out, you, you know what I mean? Like we can do whatever Lucasfilm does, or we can commandeer other projects. And I think it's also as we know, Lucasfilm do all the stuff. Like, yeah, and I think it's also a yeah. contingency in case there's another world pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can do you can do it without a lot. Also, I would like to rent it to just play Xbox. Yeah, yeah, 
Exactly. Like that that seems fun. It does. And yeah, one thing that I did kind of pick up in that that whole duel, I guess, with with Moff Gideon was that the Beskar spear when held like because that the uh the dark saber it they clash and you could see the Beskar spear start to heat up and potentially mm-hmm. get to the point where it melts. And I we so, didn't see that with Ahsoka in her fight with the spear. Well we have we have confirmed in Mandalorian that the Darksaber can cut Beskar eventually. And the Darksaber is somehow more powerful than other lightsabers. No. I think it's because it has an edge. I think it's because it has an edge and I think it's also it's it's using uh 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 plotidium to just it it is the best of it is the best of the Mandalorians and the Jedi. Therefore, yeah, I think it's one of the oldest sabers, is it not? I I don't know. I know I know that there's that famous animation from from Rebels that always floats on the internet, telling the story in that shadow, right? So true. Um, I will say, Mando looked like a real dope for just assuming that he would be able to walk away with the child. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, you can just take the kid and go. He's like, oh, okay. Like, and yeah, then you and turn your back on the dude who wants you murdered. Yeah. Are you out of your mind? That was just so weird for me because exactly that. He turns his back to him. And I'm like, are you this dumb? Like, I, mm-hmm. have you not learned anything? You know, it no. is one of the, the things that I find frustrating with Din Jarden as a, as a as an entity in the Star Wars universe. Is like he's got to be the most observant dad I've ever seen. Surrogate dad to a child, right? Because he's like, oh, yeah, you need to eat. You know, that that was that was a theme this year was just like, oh, I forgot. Like last year, they openly joke about it when he's like, you know, the 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 lady at the um the spaceport on Tatooine is like, don't you know how to look after a child? You know what I mean? Like she's kind of mothering the baby, whereas Din's kind of it's an accessory for him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and then this season, he's treating it because his feelings and his, his relationship with with the child is definitely growing the bond is there and that he's becoming more aware of the child's safety yeah. and things well, like that but he's still largely negligent right he's just like oh 100 right. because he's so often he's like my one and only duty is to keep this child alive but like can you go watch him so i can you watch so i can go yeah. fight this giant sandworm yeah <laughs> like timothy go, go like fan timothy Oliphant, who Already admitted that you stole this Mandalorian artwork. He just watched this kid for a while while I go take care of this town's problem. Yeah. <laughs> problem well, solved. Go play with the spiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta oh, hang out spiders. in this hot lava thing, hot water thing. Oh, man. The girl, me and me and Frog Lady are talking. Go like, go occupy <laughs> yourself for a while. Yeah. Yeah. She's naked. Let her get dressed. Turn your back. <laughs> Just, it was cut it to was frog so baby genocide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. No see at all. So yeah, so you know, we we have this confrontation on the bridge, right? We have Moff Gideon laying there covering up the blaster with you know because that's what capes are good for, right? It's like, <laughs> all right, I knew I I put this on this morning for a reason. Look, just to look badass, but I'm super glad that a cape because everyone's fucking wearing scape capes in Star Wars was finally used <laughs> for something, whether it was keeping warm. Cape. Yeah, 
that you know it wasn't a Lando cape actually had a usage. So uh, Lando's cape has a usage. It makes him look cool. It's how he can slay on the reg. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> well, especially after he loses the Falcon, he doesn't have a cool ship to show exactly. people anymore. Yeah, he has to become like mayor of a town to get that level of cred again. God, what a weird arc he has. <laughs> oh my god. And actually, so, this yeah. is com- a complete aside, but yesterday I was listening to old episodes of the show like five years ago, and we literally had this conversation about Lando when the yeah. comic came out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and well, now we have the Lando TV show. I can't wait. I'm assuming it's just about like a, him campaigning to be in charge of Cloud City. Yeah. Look, I... I honestly would, I honestly am here for just a himbo stumbling his way throughout the Star Wars universe. Because it and now so, seems like... It's somehow failing upwards into more and more power. It appears to be his entire plot line, and then he just ends up in a rave at the end of it, and is still yep. like, oh well, we'll get you back for the biggest fight in history again, you burnout. <laughs> it's just at a rave! I completely forgot that it... God, the rise of Skywalker is so bad. <laughs> we're bringing Lando back. How? Oh well, we're gonna go to space Coachella, and he's just gonna—he's just gonna be hanging out with the weird aliens. Like what? <laughs> what? Somehow, it, somehow it makes the least and the most sense for that character, yeah. and it blows my mind. <laughs> of course, that's where he ended up. But like, come up with something better. Come on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd love to do a deep dive on that one. Oh, no. I don't know if your guys' discussions usually go this weirdly off the rails. Oh, they do. So oh, they not, do. I'm um, sorry. Okay. They do. Good. No, no, this is okay, this is good. normal. This is part of, of what everybody in the audience knows we're gonna do. I'm I'm sure of that. So yeah, <sighs> so we basically at this point we see let's get to it. The X Wing come in and immediately oh, I'm boy. like is this going to be the dude from Kim's Convenience going to, like, get killed by these dark troopers? But, no. I was like, fingers crossed for Porkins. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. Come on, buddy. If we're doing callbacks, let's do it. Let's, let's call some stuff back. Yeah. I yeah, got this, guys. Let's, let's lean into it. <laughs> exactly. So we we almost immediately, you know, we see the the cloaked figure, and we see the green lightsaber, and Ooh. then it's an inevitability at this point, and it 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 is interesting, in the sense that it it echoes a lot, especially when Luke finally gets up to the kill box, right, like like to that hallway. When he's just cutting through these things like butter, like we've all noted, because they come back, they they fly in through the basically open side in the ship that all Star Wars Imperial vessels have. The 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 dark troopers, you know, reestablish that they're going to beat down the door. It, it builds up this sense of dread. We have Luke Skywalker walking around with the green lightsaber, just cutting through them. Nothing's nothing's stopping him. We have uh, Moff Gideon tries to take out the child with that with that hidden gun yeah. and then tries to off himself and Cara Dune is like, no, we're not having any of that. We've oh, the, the, the moment when he told... Oh. Yeah. That moment with the gun to his head was... I was I thought he was going to do it. Same. It, I, was, I, thought, I, I thought that was good writing because that was like... that. This guy is a believer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? 
he's he is willing to try every trick in the book to get his way. Yeah. And if he can't, I am an asset that needs to be not in their hands. Um, yeah, it, it also mirrors that he had the other Imperial officer in the Bo-Katan intro episode when yep. he killed himself with the cyanide pill. It echoes that he's willing to die for this cause too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it really was consistent with the belief, you're right, about that. And I, th- I thought immediately of, of that Imperial officer doing the deed. I also want to I also want to circle around to and I don't think they did this well, but I think what they were trying to allude to was that as much as Mandalorians are are badasses with their particular style of fighting, um it still is more in line with with what a regular person in the Star Wars universe is doing, right? They're more like Han than a Jedi. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think they were trying to allude to these dark troopers were like the hard counter to regular fighting styles, mm, and yeah. they just stopped prepping for Jedi shit because they were gone. Yeah. And I, yeah, well, I, I don't think they did a good job doing it. I think that's what they're trying to do, and they mm. failed. Well, let's, let's be honest about it. The, uh, the Empire never really had to deal with Jedi. Yeah. All they had to deal with was suppressing people. Right, yeah. like like controlling environments and 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 taking people's uh motivation to resist away yep. and hammer them into submission, right? Like the Empire, like the Jedi were all but gone. You know, Vader's pet project was let's go get the rest of them. Let's go get who survived, right? Yeah, Padme must be avenged. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's kind of yeah. I don't think that was really in the scope of of the empire, but I think it also said a lot about Moff Gideon's actual fear of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know, because Mm -hmm. I'm sure the whispers in, in the back halls of the empire, especially post return of the Jedi are like, Holy shit. Luke killed both the emperor and Darth Vader. He's got to be, you know, even more powerful than Darth Vader is. Yeah. Yeah. Thing like, well, the, the allegedly canon, what is it? Tales of Luke Skywalker? It's a, it's a series of short stories of like stuff Luke does mm-hmm. before before setting up training, and they, they're all over the place in terms of quality and what's happening in them. Yeah, but they kind of establish that Luke goes on this like training montage of just gathering all of the Force styles. Yeah, and then he yeah, messes and... up a kid. Yeah, and kicks off a whole new series of movies with a Vader replicate. Yep. Yeah, gotta. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 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 interesting. So we we essentially get up to this little corridor. Gideon's kind of, you know, subdued. We've got the dark troopers there trying to get in, but obviously they they turn away and they're they're more focused on Luke as the big threat. Mm-hmm. And it's actually almost exactly like Rogue One when Vader walks into that hallway at mm-hmm. the end. And even to the point where Vader, his last action in that kill box hallway is to force choke one of the guys. And what does Luke do? He force crushes one of the dark troopers, which is actually a huge no-no for Jedi to do. Like that is something that's almost forbidden except against basically droids. So it falls within this little loophole that, that exists for Jedi to be able to do this if they so please. Comes in, he does the big reveal, the CGI Luke, which we've talked about 
the failings of and successes <sighs> for. And essentially, Din Jarden has a very mirrored moment as when Luke has to take the mask off of Darth Vader. So Darth Vader or Anakin can see Luke one last time with his own eyes. Din takes off his helmet for Grogu. And probably the first time Grogu's actually touched him with the little claw fingers, mm-hmm. right? Which was quite a moment. I think um, the internet cried. <laughs> I believe not only was uh, Din Jarden, uh, you know, or Pedro Pascal in tears for that moment, but I think most of the internet, and I think that if you say that you weren't moved by this, you're probably pretty dead inside because it was <laughs> not that I'm going to, to make you're a judgment, liar, but yeah, you're a liar. So Phil will fight get, you. Yeah. And then we get R2D2 coming in, oh. which was hilarious to me because cynical me at this point, I thought of Boris cause I know R2 is Boris's favorite. So I'm immediately happy for, for him, but I saw Grogu immediately lights up and reacts to R2 being there. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's pretty much the way Disney designs all their toys. <laughs> oh, yeah, they go maximum poetic. Yeah, the, the kid's going to go right to the toy. I want this. But we do have that. I mean, it's where... fun colors and it goes boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop. Exactly. Like, what more do Which... you need? Which 50-year-old doesn't need to buy this, right? <laughs> so we have we have Grogu go to him and basically R2 reacts in such a way that it it certainly implies that they know each other. So possibly R2 knows Grogu from his days in the Padawan training facility on Coruscant. I'm there there maybe R2 is the guy who's who snuck out Grogu. You see that, that's the thing. Like I thought of that cuz I messaged you about that. But then like it goes against the fact that his memories were wiped at some point. R2's memories were never wiped. C3PO's were R2's were R2 R2's are never wiped. Which is why they can get it away because R2 there never does a word. And also mm-hmm. I think he was also attracted to R2 cuz it reminded him of the ball. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. I also appreciate that R two D two is now the key to this entire series. He always has real, been. He's the real. Uh, yeah. Chosen one. Not yeah, my R- favorite droid, but definitely top five. Definitely top. Yeah. Five. Well, it was an interesting choice. Tyler had texted me and he goes, "They made choices in this episode." Yep. This. I mean, I, I, was, I, I was. Yeah, I was more excited by that than I was by seeing Luke Skywalker. Oh, fair. I, like, I just I, Luke was fine. It's fine. My my disappointment, like, uh, and this is this is where I've had to really dig into this episode. I enjoyed it. I mm. liked the emotion of it. I liked the finality of it. The 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 story is closed. Yet we have so many more questions. Right. I liked everywhere where it brought me. I just wish that it wasn't about freaking Luke again. That's I understand exactly. that they needed to mm-hmm. do it with Luke, all right? Because they have set up that Luke was building an academy. This, if you follow the canon stuff, this is exactly happening at the time where Luke apparently visits Typhon, which was kind of what everybody was freaking out about with having to go to Tython and place Grogu on the Seeing Stone. It was, you know, possibly it was going to be Cal Kestis show up. Possibly it's going to be Ezra. The, the, possibly it's going to be a dark Jedi, like a Sith user, 
possibly is going to be someone we don't even know of yet or someone else that survived. There's a whole range of, of possibilities, but Luke being as powerful as he is, is the one that received the call and seems to be the one that was out there looking for it. So I was disappointed, to be honest, to see Luke back. I don't mind that he's back, but I wish yeah. there were some other things that could have been done. Yeah, like I said, I, me, I'd also... Oh. Go ahead, sorry. I was also going to say, I feel like the, the there was a big thing on the internet where people were mad that they didn't recast Luke, and I saw Sebastian Stan's name thrown around a lot. Mm. And I feel like... Like, I don't know how you guys view, and I'm assuming we could, we could get into it, how you view what the future of this show is. I'm not expecting Luke to be a major character going no. forward. Like, he's, it's, no, it's so. not, we're not going to get CG Luke here and there throughout the rest of the series. So, and like, I feel like the internet likes to forget that Sebastian Stan is literally an Avenger. They're not going to pay that much money to a dude to do like a scene or two. Uh, <clears throat> so, like, while the CG didn't work, as well as I don't know why they thought it would like no like the people were very loud about it after Rogue One but uh I feel like while the CG didn't work as well as they would hope they hoped it would uh recasting would have been like the worst choice recasting also means that suddenly you open this whole thing of, as you said we need to get away from it just being the Skywalkers right exactly and then all of a sudden it's just, well, now it's this Luke and now we're going to do the Luke story. Oh, God. Right. I, I so this is <clears throat> my theory now. And I don't this is not me saying I want this to happen. This is me saying what I think is going to happen is I think that they put Grogu away with Luke for a time jump. We're going to do some other stuff. We're going to have the book of Boba Fett. And then we all know how Luke's school ends. Uh, Grogu, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're gonna have a camera pan, and it's like, oh, Grogu's right there, just like watching. Like, what is happening here? <laughs> Grogu's gonna get out again, and we're gonna end up with him back there after a time jump, so we can change the dynamic a little bit, and well, then we can fix hmm. him. Fix. But then he's not a right. well. Well, so like, and please, you guys seem to be more uh, in tune with how the timeline is set up. Um, isn't this show essentially roughly two decades before the About there. the sequel trilogy? Right, somewhere in there. We have a little yeah. bit. There's a little bit of fudge room. It's, okay. exactly. it's about four years after Return of the Jedi. Right. So we're talking about twenty twenty five years before for yeah. uh, before the the next movie. So it's 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 long enough that. Uh, Baby Yoda could be. You guys use the proper names yeah. for all these characters. I'm like Mando, Baby Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 long enough to where he could be more in control of his powers, but still definitely be a baby. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I think they're gonna do. They're gonna do like a little toddler Yoda, and they're not gonna be like, oh, it's Team Yoda now. Oh, so they're doing. The, they're giving him the group treatment. Then they're just yeah. gonna slowly age him up. Yeah. Uh, but like then, then my question becomes like, if that's what this show is, how does it not? wildly intersect with the sequel trilogy. Are they going to release a special edition sequel trilogy where suddenly Baby Yoda's just CGI'd into the background? I don't think so. I mean, the Star Wars universe, and we I've talked about this before, is bizarrely gargantuan for how little we see of it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was my thing of like, if you look at the numbers of the Star Wars universe, people always ask the question of like, where how does not everyone know about Jedi? And it was like at the height there were a hundred thousand 
and the population of the galaxy is like a like a thousand billion. Hmm. So it's like it's less than a percent of a percent of a percent, and most of them are on Coruscant. <laughs> well, that, and that's the thing. I'm just like, yeah, but like Mando seems to go to like Tatooine a lot. Like, there's, yeah, <laughs> look, he's he's going to these mainline Star Wars planets. Like, I. <clears throat> I'm assuming there will be a time jump, I'm, but I like in my mind, I kind of figured that we would pick back up before all the Kylo Ren stuff happened. Like, like Baby Yoda would leave the academy or whatever Luke's yeah. building his weird Boy Scout camping trip yeah, uh, before before it all went south. But like, yeah, that's the, the, I, who knows. I mean, knows? the other thing is we don't know what what the difference of the time is because Kylo Ren is a bad guy for maybe ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We don't know what that difference is. Well, in look, time. in Rise of Skywalker, we get Luke training Leia, right? Which happened mm-hmm. before this moment mm-hmm. in, in this universe. Mm-hmm. So Luke trains Leia. Leia stopped training because she was pregnant with Ben. That's, that's the official mm. reason why she stopped training. So then Luke decides to go set up the Academy because he's now like, hey, I like training. This is this is kind of cool, and there's got to be other Force users out there. I'm going to dedicate my life into finding them, because as you pointed out, he's kind of learned a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Like, previous to this, he only knew Form 3 and Form 4, basically. Yeah. In, in the lightsaber battle in this sequence, we apparently see him using some Form 3, Form 4, Form uh, 5 all combined so we can see him starting to gel all these different forms that the geeks have broken down on the internet thank you star wars theory i have no idea what you're talking about are this different jedi fighting styles yes there's different sword styles it's it is quite a thing right okay so there's there's there is officially too much star wars yeah yeah the form four ataro which is acrobatic that's mostly what like luke uses in empire strikes back there's form three, uh, Soresu, which is blaster defense. And that was, there was actually a move where he used his lightsaber in behind his back to mm. deflect a shot from a dark trooper. Mm-hmm. The same move that was in uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? What is the and, form that's in The Force Awakens when, like, Kylo Ren is just, like, hacking at the guy? <laughs> like, like, like it's it's the, the lightsaber fighting for me is broken up in between the trilogies. Uh, in the original trilogy, it is very uh, dueling. It feels very dueling yeah. almost. Mm-hmm. Then it's in the in the prequels, it's almost like Cirque du Soleil, where it's like, no, I have to like do a triple backflip, uh, spin, and then land and hit you with the lightsaber. And then by the sequel trilogy, it's just the MMA, where it's just like, I'm gonna murder you by hitting you as hard as yeah. I can with this thing. Well, yeah, you're 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 losing forms in that in that sense, but essentially, uh, Darth Vader uses Form Five, which is Shen okay. DM Soul, which is aggressive. That's basically <laughs> just pure out aggression. So, and that would be Form Four is the counter, or Form Three is the counter for it. Sorry, Form Four is the counter for it, and that's acrobatic. So that's kind of where the prequels were set up. Hmm. So that that's about as much geek as I can get <laughs> on this one. But we do have just so we can we can have this final like discussion about where this is all headed. We've we've referenced it, the post credit scene, which is basically a mirroring of the opening of Return of the Jedi coming down that staircase. Um, there is Bib Fortuna on a throne, which is 
the third time that we've seen Bib Fortuna because he was in Phantom Menace beside Jabba. And it seems like he is eating some pizza. That is that is for sure. That guy has got a carbohydrate issue, and he's quite uh, quite weighty. And as we all are in 2020, due to he looks, the, uh, pl- he, lo- hey, he, looks he looks plump and happy. He got self care, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's living the life as 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 the main man, and he Fortuna says the, the word McClunky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. All right. I heard it, and I was watching it with the GameSpot team because we were breaking it down. And I heard, I was like, "Did he just say McClunky?" And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "He just said McClunky." They're like, "No." And then we had to rewind it to watch it again. Yeah, he says it, and this is a word that George Lucas had specifically put into Episode Four, A New Hope. That Greedo it now says before all the fighting. I know Handshot first. But before that whole sequence happens, only on Disney Plus and on the 4K version <laughs> do you get George Lucas's final contribution to the, the reimagining, McClunky. As well, it is said in The Phantom Menace by Sabubula, Sabubla, that little the evil pod racer guy. And Sebulba. Sebulba, that's it. And we do get the actual translation that that basically means it will be the end of you. Thanks, George. You did yeah. it. Ebulba. So we we get we get Fennec Shan basically clearing away a bunch of people, and then Boba Fett comes down. Bib Fortuna kind of visibly gives a sigh of relief, like, "Hey, Boba!" <laughs> and Boba could have turned around and said, "I thought you were dead too, because you were on that barge and it blew up." But this is Star Wars. So basically, Boba takes him out, sits on the throne. Fennec goes and grabs a thing of Spotchka and swigs it. Even in the background, there was a dancer that was in the re-releases mm-hmm. from 1999. She was actually there. Um, yep. Wow. I like the little sequence where they let the one chain dancer go. Like yep. Fennec Shan shoots the chain and lets her go. And then we get the break where... It says the book of Boba Fett coming next Christmas. And Boba takes the hut throne. Yeah, he takes the hut throne. So that's going yeah. to be. And now we do have internet things that have happened that have been deleted since then. But somebody at Lucasfilm, not one of the main people, but I think somebody previously employed at Lucasfilm <laughs> said last night that the Book of Boba Fett is going to be its own limited run series. So they were speculating three to four episodes, or that is the speculation. And Mandalorian Season 3 will start shooting after they complete shooting the Book of Boba Fett. So what are our thoughts on where this ends and where we see things going forward for the Mandalorian? I mean, I think that we kind of I think we've already hit the general sense of it, which is that mm-hmm. we're ending like, this ends up with. How do I come up with this? This ends up with their first big event, probably having to do with Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I yeah. think, excuse me, I think that's what we all have kind of been like. Yep. That's yeah. Where we're going. Yeah. More I, so I had to do this so the audience knows exactly where we're at <laughs> with this story. Yeah. I hate it. 
I oh. like I, I this might make me some enemies here. I hope not. But if it happens, yeah. it happens. I think Boba Fett is the most boring, uninteresting character. People liked him because he was a cool suit of armor before he mm-hmm. was tossed into a hole. Like there's mm-hmm. no, like I don't care. Like I understand it was cool to see the actor from the prequels like suit up in the armor. I get it. It's cool. And he was an interesting enough sidekick like for the back half of this season. I have so little interest in a Boba Fett show or movie. And I've always had no interest in it. Like, I just don't care. And Boba the Hutt, I super don't care. Boba the Hutt. Especially, especially with like, what's his, what's his goal? What is he doing here? Yeah. What, what, what is, what? Oh no. Like, uh, he, he's just, it's, it's space Sopranos now. Yeah. It's just him running a criminal organization. Like that sounds terrible. I don't know why. And I think it's going to be a big fight between the the Fets and um, Crimson Tide at this point. Yeah, what's left God. of it? I mean, if anything, it's going to set up for the major other gang, and that's Crimson. Uh, it, it's just going to be there's going to be something happening in that, mm. or there's going to be a whole bunch of like sand people that are put into positions of power across Tatooine because. My assumption is that's why Boba looks the way he does, is that he's been hanging with the Sand People, right? Yeah. The Tusken Raiders are his family, and, to, like, maybe he liberates them from in the obscurity and in his mumu, yeah. Yeah, this also I, I, opens up uh, the possibility of Timothy Oliphant's uh, character coming back. Yeah, oh, yeah, I could see Timothy Oliphant showing up in Rangers of the New Republic as well. Yeah, that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will I say... Could, see that for sure the 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 one the one way this boba fett like the 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 boba fett thing if it's about like sort of space mafia bring back darth maul then i'll be in that's yeah Mm. because yeah because maul Maul, yeah maul went so hard like watching uh solo in theaters the first time at a press screening uh it became so obvious how little exposure mm-hmm. to the animated shows people had they did they were like yeah. wait he's alive like and it left so much interesting uh territory to be explored that like i would love to see like i would be i this sounds crazy i would be way more on board with a, the book of darth maul so, like i i want to explore more of that story and i know it's been explored a lot on clone wars and rebels but like if you can use a boba fett show to sort of sh- to sort of show like his criminal, I guess, organization or whatever, coming up against that criminal organization, like mm-hmm. that could be interesting. That might be the that might be the way to get me in. I know Lucasfilm, you're very very concerned with how to make me personally interested in what you're doing. <laughs> Their entire goal, really. Absolutely. They have yeah. meetings about it daily. Yeah, I can Trust see though. Do. Like, honestly, I, I and Chris, you know, I full respect for your opinion and take. And you're not alone in identifying some of these weaknesses in the character of Boba Fett and identifying the marketing angle that Disney or, you know, Lucasfilm have used Boba Fett for. However, Boba Fett did, I think, receive an awful lot of fan enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Through, through the, the, the legends kind of writing. A material because that's where they took the the books and the kind of the documentation that they had on Boba Fett and they made it all happen. So the knee missiles and 
all the stuff that was fan service when they showed us in this episode, all those people were rewarded for a lot of reading and a lot of imagination. And I think that that was a veritable goldmine for Lucasfilm through some pretty lean years, Star Wars wise. I think oh, for sure. There's definitely probably a spreadsheet somewhere at Lucasfilm that say, hey, the minute we put Boba Fett on any product, sales increase this percentage. Right. Or viewership. Emergency. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's where they're going to, again, selectively be dipping into some of the Legends material and trying to make a show as a basically proof of concept for other things that they could do in the mm. Star Wars universe and other properties that have the same type of lure on them. Yeah. You know, Phasma, for example, things like that, where it ended up being a missed opportunity and the feedback overwhelmingly from the fan base. Cause I know that, you know, as a big Boba Fett fan myself, in terms of being a little kid and seeing the images and the marketing and the action figure of Boba Fett, I always was like, well, how come he basically dies in a pit? You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of disappointment with how underused that was. And we see it again in the sequel trilogy with Captain uh, with, with Phasma, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like Phasma was used to sell a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Phasma's image was branded on a lot of stuff and people had expectations given uh, the actress playing him, playing her, um, all this stuff was built up and then not really fully realized. And there's a lot of fan disappointment that, oh, she just gets thrown down a pit. Like, yeah. you know, again, that, that kind of angle of it. So I think it, it's really an experiment by Disney to see what they can do. And I also think that it, it you know, once we, it's Monday now, right? So we should have maybe some official clarification coming out on Mando Monday from Lucasfilm about exactly all this stuff as well. It might, you know. I'm convinced they're going to stay very quiet about it for a while. It's like, uh, like this, this, I feel like in a way this finale suffers from taking place a week after Disney's like 19 hour yeah. investor call, uh, which yeah. I don't know about you. I don't know if you guys were watching, but wow, what a, yeah. what a journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where like they they just announced so many Star Wars things and like when to expect them all that like part of me wonders if they're gonna like they they got a name out there they got a date out there and like there's been like EW has had some thoughts like there there have been places that have like reports like we've talked to a source um, yeah I wonder if they're just gonna keep quiet into the new year until like all the talk from the from the Rogue Squadron, uh, Obi Wan with Hayden Christensen, like all their, they just put so much Star Wars out there that got people's minds buzzing. Like, I wonder if they, like, this would be anything where they could easily just, like, we're going to play it quiet. And then once we start filming uh, the book of Boba Fett, we're just going to, like, give them, give them a gut punch, be like, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think we're, we're definitely going to get, like, a sizzle teaser. Hmm. probably mid next year or you know next fall i think that what they do is at their play right now i'm hoping what they do is they don't need to come out with a statement per se but it'd be great if they just produced another slide without kathleen yeah. kennedy in front of it just a logo just have the logo for the book of boba fett the logo for mandalorian all these things so we know that they're separate then you don't have to say anything 
and you can just say, here's the completed actualized list. We had to keep a secret. You know what I mean? Like we didn't want to spoil anything from, from John and, and Dave. So here's what we did with the investor meeting. We announced that there's 10. We slyly slipped in nine. And when we talked about Mandalorian season three, there was no graphic. There was no visual. There was no real because again i i just assumed in that investor meeting they did that because the show's ongoing right now and they wanted to not you know signal something like there's going to be a change in the mandalorian or there's going to be this or you know they they wanted to leave the audience alone on that and now i think if they do say anything it's a distinct possibility it remains quiet but if they do say something it's just going to be a graphic or something from lucasfilm that says you know, set your calendars at, at most. He's hoping. I just. I think less is more. You're right. Yes. It, like, especially now, like, if it's, if, ooh, so the, obviously there was that, that tweet you mentioned that said that, like, it's sort of a state, it's, a, it's, I guess, a mini series uh, and not the Mandalorian season three. That is something they should probably clear up sooner rather than later because. Yeah. <clears throat> The way it felt to me with them announcing that it was coming in December, they previously announced that Mandalorian season three was going to arrive in December. Yeah. So yep. that tells me that like the way they the way they've positioned it officially is that this is sort of what's going to be the story of Mando season three. Um, yeah. Which means we're not going to find out what happened to Baby Yoda for two years. Yep. Uh, and that. That's just not. That's frustrating if that's the case. So I hope that is not the case. Yeah, there there would be two two ways that I see that. I I agree. I'd like to see the story of Din Jarden continue on, but the show's called The Mandalorian. It doesn't say what Mandalorian it's talking about. So does Mandalorian oh, become that's my meta? fear. That's You're playing sad. on my greatest fear about this show. Yeah, kind of years making me care so it. much about Mando, and then you're like, okay, now it's it's Boba Fett. Go nuts, everybody! I'm like, no, but like, I've built up this like this incredibly one sided relationship with this yeah. character. We're like, I care about him, and seeing and you, and we've seen him grow so much mm-hmm. over the course of the show. As like, it, the kid went from being a burden to like his son. Yeah, and he accepted it, and he embraced it, and like now, whatever the next chapter is to bring them to the two of them back together, like I'm dying to see it. And the fact that not like that, I might have to wait two years for that resolution kills me. Yeah, I hope that is not the case. Yeah, that was well, my fear. I, I know the, enti- the entire season. That was my fear with the entire storyline. That hey, you need to go train, or you need to find a Jedi. So that was like, you know, my biggest fear. And now the reality is, is that we're most likely going to move on from what made the show so good. Um, it's a hell of an experiment, you know, if anything. Um, no. Lucasfilm just loves, you know, pulling on our heartstrings and just, you know, seeing what sticks. Because this is a huge risk. Uh, you know, one thing I've always said about this show is that this show does a great job of pulling in, um, you know, the hardcore Star Wars nerd and the casual Star mm-hmm. Wars viewer. Uh, the people who don't read the comics, read the books, play the video games and whatnot. Um, and this show did a great job of kind of 
kind of am- amalgamating everyone. Um, you know, if you move away from the super casual who fell in love with Baby Yoda, then you're really alienating a huge uh, section of your audience. So, you know, it's, it's a risk that if they move away from, from the Din Djarin and Baby Yoda story. Hmm. Yeah, but at, at the same rate, you can't tell the same story over and over again. Uh, oh, I think sure. as creators and as, as producers and writers, they want to evolve their their craft, right? They don't want to sit there and go, okay. So as Chris mentioned, you know, like, all right, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have eight episodes where Baby Yoda does X and Din Jarden has to do Y to, to save him to, you know, eliminate peril from, from yeah. Grogu's kind of story. I don't think that they want to do that. And I was a little bit shocked, to be honest, when this ended, the first thing that went through my mind was, is the Mandalorian over now? Yeah. Like, and that's not like, to say that's that, the like, story. Yeah. And that's not to say that season three isn't going to take place during Grogu's, like, you know, spring break from training. <laughs> oh, my God. The Mandalorian season three, Grogu's spring break is a great title for something, though. <laughs> yeah. Can you, know, can you imagine, like, Luke comes back and he's just like, this guy farts so raunchy, I need him away from me. You know what I mean? Like, you take him. What did you feed this kid? <laughs> You're filtrate. It's it's like baby lizards are coming out of his butt. Like frog people. It's unbelievable. And egg. I, I just don't know, but there is a possibility that we get the child back in some fashion. You know, maybe Luke just can't handle a toddler i don't know I, we're definitely getting that like honestly with the amount of yep. merchandise they're able to sell on this thing there's no oh, way yeah. baby yoda's ever going away like oh, exactly. he, 20 years from now like people will remember baby yoda more than luke skywalker i guarantee it because like, because it's cute so we can make another toy and another t-shirt of it yeah yeah and remember he eats eggs and it's adorable and and you know like like the toys he steals right. cookies it's... from children like a real scumbag remember it's so cute you know throughout yeah, this and... mandalorian uh couple seasons i just felt so bad for the actor who played jar jar binks oh my god like you know they You're tried to build up jar jar like as this funny go happy sidekick character and people wish death upon him i th- you know what yeah. I think Jar Jar's fine. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. We all have the luxury of, of seeing Star Wars for what it is, but at the time, the reaction yeah. was harsh. And, you know, this time they, they downplayed, they didn't leak Baby Yoda. They didn't do anything with it. They were so woefully unprepared last year for the crush that people had for wanting products with them because they wanted to keep it that secret, right? And they they weren't. There was concern in Lucasfilm that it wasn't going to resonate well. But they knew the minute they brought it on set and the way that people reacted, they have a winner. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people identified with it. And, you know, Werner Herzog or whatever, you know, he, he, oh God. he would talk to it like a real thing, right? Like, th- here's the great thing, too, everybody. Starting this Friday, which would be Christmas Day, Disney are going to air every Friday going forward an episode of disney gallery yeah. right and disney gallery is this really weird show that you don't know what the heck it's about really but it's the making of this season of the mandalorian 
So you're going to get a lot of breakdowns from actors, directors, producers, everybody involved in special effects, everything about how they do the stuff, the stories behind the story, right? And what their honest thoughts are about the experience and about the actual direct directions of Lucasfilm. It, it's an absolutely enlightening and fascinating view into how this stuff gets made. And I encourage everybody who's got any interest in that type of thing, it doesn't ruin the experience. It doesn't, you know, make you wish that you'd never watched The Mandalorian because it just spoils everything. I find that it enhances my enjoyment and whatnot. A great because they, they did it for season one, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I believe we had to wait a lot longer yeah. after the end of season one to get those episodes. The fact that it's kicking in the next week, it also really uh, it keeps us busy until WandaVision launches in a few weeks. So like, yeah. Yeah. smart to always have that new content, guys. And I think they launched this Friday the new Pixar film Soul. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was supposed to be that looks absolutely amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it was supposed to be a theater theatrical release. So Disney are playing their hand really well at the momentum that the Mandalorian season two has gained them. It's given them this momentum. And I think they're trying to capitalize as much as they can. I mean, they have, they have to, because they, now that now they're dealing with uh, wonder woman's also out that day. Yep. Exactly. Starring the Mandalorian. Sorry. Like it's, 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 it's a really, it's going to be a really interesting, uh, a day when you have that actor <laughs> like appearing as a main figure in two very different companies' projects. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's it's going to be fun. Like, and and let's face it though, too. Aside from Mandalorian, Disney's they're finally going coming to market with Wandavision. They're finally coming to market with. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're finally these things were all promised to us much earlier. Mm-hmm. At least that was my impression as a, a early adopter of Disney Plus. It was like, well, we've got all this content, and then really it's mostly just back content. It's mostly just yeah. the Simpsons. There's not all that much original stuff, and the stuff that's there may be good, but it's all very limited run in comparison to other shows, right? Like, right, like to something is tough when you've got. 22 episodes of something else sometimes or you know right. i mean 10 or 15 hour long versus the truncated mandalorian you know especially season one where it's like fitting into uh sub hour bits right yeah yeah well and disney plus i feel like benefited from the fact that it launched ahead of the pandemic enough to where they had some stuff in the can obviously they had like I think Mando season two was wrapped by the time production shut down, yeah, um, yeah. and they were already starting work on season three. Which, if it's the book of Boba Fett, ugh. But um, there's so that there, there's there weirdly is a lot of original content. It's, I feel like so much of it flies below the radar because it's also aimed at different audiences. Like they have the High School Musical, the, the musical, mm. the series. I think it's called, yeah. um, which. That's that's great uh, because that targets a different audience. Then there's theme park nerds like me who like mm-hmm. if you guys haven't watched the Imagineering story, yeah. which yeah. I think is a six or seven part docu series, like it's it's an incredible look. And also, if you like Star Wars, there's a whole episode about Galaxy's Edge uh, mm-hmm. at the two uh, United States parks. It's really incredible. 
Um, like, so I appreciate what what Disney Plus has done in terms of like trying to reach out to different types of sort of Disney fans. But what they haven't done is had that Main Street breakout hit that's not about the Mandalorian. Like they yeah. mm-hmm. like so finally we're getting to the I think we were supposed to get Wanda WandaVision earlier this year. Yeah. January 15th, I believe it starts. Now, yeah, but yeah, originally yeah. I think it was this fall. Oh, yeah, yeah, originally I think it was supposed yeah. to be leading into Mando season two, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. But like that, but that was also in a world where Black Widow would be out and we would be yeah. gearing up for Eternals and like yeah. so like everything's gotten so scrambled that like I get why I, I get why it was all delayed, but like it's it's exciting to me that we're finally getting to a point where they're especially now that they're also teeing up like ten more Star Wars shows that are all about mostly about things I'm I'm curious to see. It's it's exciting that we're finally now after the year this has been getting to the point where like, oh man, I can't wait to see what this what these people are gonna do next. Yeah, and the the great thing about Star Wars for me, I'm 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 excited to see Disney, you're right, excel at other Marvel properties and whatnot, because that's all really appealing to me too. And I feel this way about Marvel and Star Wars. Even if it's bad, it's like pizza. It's still good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're you're gonna be able to form an opinion about it. You're gonna be able to have discussions online. You're gonna be able to have discussions on your podcast about what worked, what didn't work. And there's gonna be some value in it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. because then you can have that conversation of well since this happened just like what we talked about well sabine wren just gave bo the dark saber in rebels which was a convenience for the storytelling end of things but now it's betrayed on on live action and we have to reconcile that you know what i mean so it's just interesting because all these choices in the moment you don't really realize the repercussions per se and then we get to you know capitalize on that but that all being said I think uh, that closes up our season of The Mandalorian. I want to thank all of our listeners. I want to thank Chris hey, for thank taking you. time today to be with us. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in each week because um, it means a lot to us. And we're going to have some new shows going forward. So the, the show will still exist. It's just not going to be about The Mandalorian for a while, I don't think. But we are going to probably have a wrap-up episode at some point, too, where maybe we have some fun with uh, some further discussion about the post-season two breakdown. So, Chris, uh, how about you tell everybody what's going on again, where they can find you on the internet, where they can find some of your podcasts and writings for you know, your, your nine to five job. Oh yeah. Well, you can find me writing about all kinds of movies and TV right now. I don't know if you guys watch Cobra Kai. I've got so much Cobra Kai footage. I need to get ready (laughs) because, because like spoilers for Mando Monday, I've seen season three. Ooh, nice. Got a little good times. Uh, but, um, yeah, you can find it all over at GameSpot.com. Wrestle Buddies, the wrestling podcast I do with Matt Elfring. New episodes are out every single Thursday uh, on all of the various podcasting platforms and apps and wherever they shoot those things. And then I am at Chris Hayner. Every, like, Twitter and Instagram are pretty much the ones. Uh, yeah. If you want to see, if you really want to see pictures of like what I'm doing during quarantine, which is uh, uh playing video games and uh being really bored in my apartment hit me up on instagram great 
Boris, you have any final thoughts on anything you guys? I have a lot of final thoughts about a lot. But in relation to Mando Monday, I think we left it off at a very good place. I think it's safe to say that we're all interested. We're all invested in the Star Wars universe. And I'm actually super excited to see what's to come. Having said that, Phil, thank you for hosting for the past eight weeks. It's been fun not being the host for something at once um and yeah it's been uh it's been you see it's, it's always it's always good when i don't have to do all the prep so you know that's that's thank you for that but honestly you, you've done a you great ruined job saturday nights for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's why i show up hammered half the time to these shows um <laughs> but yeah uh no so thanks a lot honestly it uh, means a lot um and chris thank you for joining and thanks to all of our guests for the past uh, several weeks we'll do call outs and whatnot to thank everyone individually but i just want to thank everyone collectively right now it really means a lot uh, the fact that we were able to fill eight episodes eight different guests um you know at least eight different guests uh was really was quite the feat and it was always fun uh you know trying to see who would work when um and yeah it was a lot of fun so having said that phil how about you let our listeners know where they can get a hold of us of course well you can find us on the internet at www.itscanonpodcast.com you can track us down on instagram twitter and facebook at it's canon podcast you can email us at show at it's canon podcast.com you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really anywhere you find podcasts. I think we're on iHeartRadio and TuneIn now. So anywhere you find it, to find your podcast, you're going to find us. And thank you so much. Uh, please subscribe. Leave a rate and review for us. We really appreciate everybody uh, giving us the time to be in their heads. Yeah. No, it means a lot, and it's, as always, it's been a lot of fun chatting all things Mandalorian. And as Phil mentioned, we will be coming back we have a few options in terms of shows and i'm sure that we're going to be continuing this so on behalf of chris tyler and phil i want to thank everyone for listening thank you good night <laughs>